I found something that I, wanna, I want you to understand why I carry this with me. I, I hold a plane ticket in my hand that I've had for a number of years. It's from an Ethiopian man that I flew next to. And I carry this ticket to remind me um, of something very important that I, I, and I brought it with me today. I said this, I treasure this ticket, um, this plane ticket. And it's a story on how an Italian met an Ethiopian on a Delta airline flight. But it, but it really showed me something of the value of prayer. Let me tell you the story. A few years ago, I was speaking in Colorado Springs. I was speaking for um, a friend of this ministry, Gary Wilkerson, the, the son of the founder, David Wilkerson, at, at, at the church up there, doing some leadership things, then went across town at one of the most powerful mission organizations, Compassion International, did something for their staff. And after three days of just um, meetings after meetings, I was exhausted. So I got to, they drove me an hour and a half from Colorado Springs to Denver, um, went through Denver, got everything, and with my ticket, and because I've, I've flown at that time a lot of miles, what's great is, is that my seat got upgraded from row 15 to row one. And so that was exciting for me. I didn't have to eat uh, chips, but I got nuts. And so I was happy. Um, when I sat down, I was sitting next to some elderly businessman. We, didn't, we just exchanged uh, pleasantries, nothing, nothing deep, and I was exhausted. So while we're sitting at the gate, I opened up my Bible, um, and I, I was going to read it uh, just as we go. So I put it on my lap, and I was getting ready to read the Bible. And while I was there, I was just, exhaustion overtook me, and so I fell asleep um, reading my Bible, and then... This is where it started. I st at, when I woke up from the first jolt of the plane from some turbulence, I woke up, looked next to me, and when I looked up, there was a man, not the same man, the older gentleman was gone, and some Ethiopian man was staring at me and waiting for me to get up. He said, hello, and then he gave me his name, and I, 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 had, I had him write it down. It was as Rudu Aganifer, and this is what he said to me. He said, I've been waiting for you to get up. He said, God put you in this seat. He said, when I got to this airport, I prayed that God would put me next to a godly man who would pray for me on this flight. I was... I, he said, I was sitting in seat 35, and a man came back and said to me, I want to sit next to my wife. You can have my seat in row one. He said, I came up, and I saw your Bible on your lap. You were sleeping, and in the seat next to you, I knew that God answered my prayer. And then he looked at me, and he said this. He goes, you will pray for me, and you will pray for power, and you will pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that will come upon my life. I just woke up. I started to pray as Guru do, and as I prayed for him, he got loud. And I mean, I was just going, God touch him. Hallelujah. 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 And I'm, at, at first, I was a little taken, and then I was going, I'm not going to see any of these people ever again. They just, just shout all you want at this point. It doesn't matter. And that day, 
I watched God begin to bring two people together that shouldn't have even been together on that plane. It was on that day an Italian met an Ethiopian on row one on Delta Flight 1708. And I kept that ticket to remind me, here it is, church, this is why we pray. This is why I pray. When we know the why, sometimes the hows seem to fall into place. We have so many people trying to teach us how that we forget when we can understand why. That brings passion and longevity, and it begins to give us an understanding of why we seek after God, why we pray, why we call out to him. And I want to take you on a journey in the book of Acts that literally showed me why this is important. I want you to write down these two things, these two quotes that have meant so much to me of why I pray. One from the great survivor of the Holocaust, Corey Temboon, who said this. She says, the more I pray, the more coincidences happen. How many know that to be true? I'm not sure if it's the coincidences as much as you become alert to what God is doing. You're, you become alive to seeing God's hand. But here's the one that I love the most from the great Scottish from the great Scottish devotional writer, Andrew Murray, he says this, listen to this. When I work, I work. But when I pray, God works. Hallelujah. I have to read that again because some of you missed it. When I work, I work. But when I pray, God works. Let me show you another meeting just like Delta 1708. On 1708, it was an Italian meeting an Ethiopian. But I want to show you in Acts 10 how an Italian met a Jew, just like on row one. It's such an important meeting, and you're sitting here today able to pray, able to cry out to God because of this important meeting. In Acts chapter 10, verse 1, let me show you how this Italian met a Jew. The Bible says, now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, just a shout out to my people. Okay, verse two, a devout man, one who feared God with all of his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. Verse three says this, and about the ninth hour, we'll come back to why that's important. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in the vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, fixing his gaze upon him, and being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men. Now this is really where it gets intense. Dispatch some men to Joppa. Send for a man named Simon. He's also called Peter. He's staying with a tanner named Simon, so you don't mix it up. And if you want to know where his house is, his house is by the sea. Now the Bible says this in verse Seven, I'm sorry, verse seven. Yes, when the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants, a devout soldier of those who were with his personal attendants. And after he explained everything to him, he sent them to Joppa. And the Bible says, and on the next day, on the next day, as they were on their way approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. Now, folks, let me pause here because I want you to see this. In verse 2 and verse 9, two lives are about to be intersected. This is the row one. Two lives are about to be intersected. Two prayer lives are coming together. Because you're going to see Peter praying, 
and Cornelius has prayed, and somehow God, in his omnipotence and his omniscience, bring these two praying men together, and you're going to see why this is so important. Here's what happens. Here's now, we've seen Cornelius is praying. Now watch what's happening in a whole nother section some miles away. It is happening, it is happening together simultaneously. But he became hungry. This is speaking about Peter. He became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, Peter, just like Cornelius, falls into a trance. He saw the sky opened in an object like a great sheep coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there was in it all kinds of four-footed animals crawling and creatures of the earth and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, no, Lord, was what one version says. Let me, every time I read that passage, um, I know we have with us today some precious people from Japan and watching online from Japan. I remember meeting a, a Japanese missionary who said to me, he goes, from that passage, he said, it's interesting. He said, we read the Bible totally differently. He said, every time you read the Bible, um, every time we read the Bible, because it goes up and down, we read the Bible like this. He says, but when you Americans read the Bible straight across, you read it like this. Think of those words, by no means, Lord, no, Lord. How dangerous is that? No, Lord, no, to, to, to the one who is in charge. And here's what, he, here's what happens. No, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Verse 15, and a voice came to him a second time saying, what God has cleansed, don't consider unholy. This happened three times and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Now look what verse 17 begins to say. Now while Peter was greatly perplexed in his mind as to what the vision had been, might, that he had seen might be, behold, the men who had seen Cornelius having asked directions to Simon's house appeared at the gate. Stop right there because we have to acknowledge a modern day miracle here. Look at verse 17 again. The men who had been sent to Cornelius, having asked for directions. Do you see the miracle? Men asking for directions. One more time. All the women said, amen. Men asking for directions. The Bible is full of miracles. Hey. Verse 18, and calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was called Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Bible says, the Spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, accompany them without any misgivings, for I have sent them myself. Now, folks, the result is that Peter goes with these men, preaches in Cornelius' home, and let me read you these final scriptures, two more verses. Here's what happens because two lives intersect. Delta 1708, row one. Two lives intersect, and this is what takes place in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. Verse 45, all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. The gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles where they were hearing and seeing people speaking with tongues and exalting God. This is the Gentile 
Pentecost, just like Acts chapter 2 came to the upper room. This was the Pentecost that would come, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would come not only to Jewish believers, but to all believers. And it was all connected by an Italian man praying and a Jewish man praying who began, in a sense, to sit in seats together that never should have happened unless God brought them together. What do we learn? This is when we begin to pray. Jot these three things down. This is why we pray. Because when we pray, God gives direction. We become available. And then God brings refreshment and revival. Let me say that again. When we pray, or this is why we pray, direction, availability, refreshment, or revival. This is what I see here. This is why we pray. So let me walk you through this and challenge you as I've been challenged with this because this is where prayer, we have to understand, is such a priority at Times Square Church. I want to encourage you not only to join us every Wednesday night with our general overseer, Pastor Carter Conlon, as the world joins together to pray every single Wednesday as requests come in from all over the world from our Bible college. And let me just pause for a second and say something about Tuesday night. Do not miss this Tuesday night. We have our Bible school coming. The choir will become from Summit International School of the Ministry. They're going to lead us in worship. The Bible school that you support, the Bible school of literally 70% of our students are from around the world that we get to train and send back to their nations that God would use them. And so this Tuesday night, I want to encourage you not only to be here, but I also want to encourage you, let's go back to prayer, to be here at 6 o'clock. At 6 o'clock, this sanctuary turns into a prayer meeting. And this is why we pray. So let me give this to you. I want you to jot down these three things. Number one, prayer gives us next steps. It gives us directions we would never have had if we didn't pray to God. It, it gives us, in a sense, let me say it like this, inside information from God that you can only get from praying. Think about this. If Cornelius doesn't pray, if he doesn't pray and hear from God, he doesn't know about Peter in a city called Joppa, staying with a tanner named Simon, in a house by the sea. Do you see those four things that were there because of a man that prays? He says, I need you to go talk to a guy named Peter staying in Joppa. He's staying with the guy who's a tanner whose also name is Simon, but don't confuse them. I want you to talk to, I want you to talk to Peter and his house is by the sea. Think about the information that he just gave to him. Write these three things down. When I pray, three things happen. You ready for it? I go places I never would have gone. I meet people I never would have met and I go through doors that I never should have gotten through. That is so good. Let me just help myself. Amen. Okay, so let me help you. Let me give them to you again. When I pray, three things. Say it with me. I go places I never would have gone. I meet people I never would have met and I go through doors that I never should have gotten through. How many know that to be true today? See, that's why I believe there is, there is a danger. Prayerlessness lends itself to directionless people. When there's prayerlessness, it, it lends it. 
not only to an individual, but folks, look at me. It, becomes to a ch- it comes to a church. Let me say something to leaders or pastors that are watching. If you want to know next steps for a church, then you've got to have a prayer meeting. If you don't pray, here it comes. Let me just say this. Let's just get it all out today. Here it comes. When you don't pray, you plagiarize. You find out what everybody else is doing and seeing if it works for you. But when you pray, you get the next steps from God. Because what you do is you start, when you don't pray, then you're looking at podcasts and, and, and sermons and what is this place doing? What is this place? Let's do that. But when you pray, you get to hear this. Go to Joppa. Talk to Peter. He's at this house and it's right by the sea. I don't know about you, but I want to hear from the Holy Spirit. I want to hear what God has to say. See, prayer would intersect two worlds that never would have met. Folks, it wasn't just an Italian meeting a Jew. It was a Jew meeting a Gentile. Let me say that again. This wasn't just about a Jew. and It wasn't just simply about two ethnic groups coming together. It was about two people coming together that never should have met because of the racism between these two groups. This never would have happened if these men were making the decisions. But God intervened. God brought these two worlds together that never should have come. Right before the pandemic, one of the last places that we did a pastor's conference was in Barcelona. And I was speaking a message about scars and how God can use past scars in our life to do something that become reminders of God's healing power. And a man from Barcelona met me backstage. He was a pastor, was diagnosed with cancer, and has just gone through a number of surgeries. I, I, was, I was thinking of this, and I want to just read it to you, because some of you write, write this down. It was powerful words from C.S. Lewis. He says this, where we find difficulty, we may expect that discovery awaits us also that we may discover something very special about God. This man showed me three scars on his body from the operations and the surgery. The the cancer was still there, but he he said, I've been angry with God. I've been an angry pastor. I've been trying to preach with anger in my heart. He said, but today I realize that those three scars on my body have a reason. He said, hope came to me from America right here in Barcelona, how God would take you from America for me to be sitting here and to speak to me. He says, you spoke that message to me. God brought you here to Barcelona so I could hear that. Why, church? Because when we pray, I go places I never should have gone. I meet people I never should have met. And I go through doors that I never should have gotten through. Do you understand Times Square Church? Listen, prayer widens the boundaries and the zip codes, the geography and even the relationships. And what prayerlessness does, it shrinks our worlds. Prayerlessness shrinks it down. But when we can cry out to God and pray, it's amazing what God can do. It's amazing what God is able to do. Here's the other part I recognized of of prayer. I want you to jot this down, and it's this. Don't underestimate spontaneous prayers. Don't underestimate spontaneous prayers. 
was walking to the church yesterday, Saturday, as I always do, to spend time in the sanctuary to pray for you, to pray for the choir, to pray for the stage, all the instruments, the singers, all of you in the balcony, every one of your seats have been prayed over. I laid hands on every one of those seats. So you're in a dangerous, you're in a dangerous seat. I'll just tell you right now. So if you're thinking about leaving, I pray that God put glue on that seat right now. So, but it's always the same time that I come here. It's just like clockwork. I know when I'm coming. As I'm walking through the streets, somebody goes to me and goes, hey, you're the pastor of that church. So I don't know what to expect. Um, because sometimes it hasn't gone well for me. And, and, and it was good. We embraced it was, it was such a special meeting. Hey, love you. And, and um, I don't go to the church, but I just want to say I've, I've been there before. So, but then we were leaving, and as we were walking away, he yells about a half a block away. He goes, wait! And he comes over to me and said, my mom died two days ago. He said, would you lift me up in prayer? And I said, listen, right here, I said, I usually, I'm thinking to myself, I usually don't even walk this direction, but on, God knew that I needed to walk on 56th to run into you, to pray for you, your family, and your mom. And folks, right there on 56th Street, we laid hands, I hugged that man, we had a chance to pray together. Can I give you a challenge as a church? And here's the challenge. Whenever somebody says, hey, keep me in prayer, I want that to be a signal for you to go, stop right here, let's pray right now. How many have ever said you'd pray for somebody and have forgotten to pray for them? Would you raise your hand? Seven. So let me just say this. The rest are lying. Let me ask the question one more time. How many have ever said you'd pray and you forgot to pray for them? Now we're honest. Okay, listen. Pray right there. Just stop. Just go with say, hey, lift me up in prayer. Hey. Stop right here. Let's pray right now. Wherever they're at, on 56th or in a lobby, wherever that is, you pray for them immediately. See, there are two kinds of prayer times in this story. And let me tell you what they are. Here it comes. Jot this down. There, there says in verse 3, the ninth hour, that is 3 p.m. That is the time that people go to the temple to pray. That was the, that was the service every day. 3 p.m., it was the traditional time to pray. But it's interesting to me that the Bible also says that Peter prayed at the sixth hour, which is 12 p.m. That's in verse 10. This is what's amazing. Because one is scheduled prayer and others, and the other one is 56th Avenue prayer, street prayer. See, the, the 3 p.m. prayer, that's the Saturday prayer in the sanctuary. The 56th street prayer that wasn't planned on, but God says both of those are still powerful. Both of those, I can use it. Whether you're showing up on Wednesday night online to pray with us, 6 p.m. on Tuesdays to pray with us, or whether you're praying for someone in this lobby, God uses that. Don't surrender small time intervals when you have a chance to pray. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? Think about when Peter was about what Peter was doing. Peter was about to eat dinner, and this is what Peter says. I, if I can just maybe elaborate the story. The Bible says that they're about to eat lunch, and the lunch wasn't prepared yet. That's what you just read in Acts 10. So what Peter does 
is probably something that is, is dinner ready? No, 20 more minutes. Now he has a decision. Do I watch ESPN, Fox, CNN, or another rerun of Seinfeld? Or could I pray and God take that little moment and do something powerful? And that's exactly what takes place. Peter goes, let me just pray. I know this isn't the time to pray, but let me just pray at this moment and see maybe God wants to speak. And church, does he speak? God says, you're about to meet someone. They're going to knock at your door. It's going to be a Gentile. You're going to open up that door and you don't have any idea what's about to come because there's a church on 51st and Broadway that need the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not only going to pour out my spirit in Acts 2, I'm going to pour out my spirit in Acts 10 to show men and women of every race that they can be filled with the Holy Spirit. That it's not just for an upper room, I can do something in anybody's life. See, this is what's so important here today. See, what Peter does is this begins to help me on a verse that always bothered me because I always felt like no one can do this. Here it is, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without... How? We got jobs. We've got... You're, you're, you're a, a, an officer. You're a fireman. You're, you're working on Wall Street. You... You, you, you have, how do you pray without ceasing? I, I believe this. God would never ask us to do something that we couldn't obey. And then I thought to myself, then God, what does this mean? And it's interesting. When that phrase comes up without ceasing, it is a medical word. You ready for this? It's a word that means an incessant cough, a hacking cough that just won't go away. It means that you could walk, tickle in your throat, and you just cough. What, Pete, what Paul was saying was this. There's going to be moments throughout the day that you are just going to feel, pray, pray. Let there be a say. I was walking to the church. I saw an early voting uh, station. I started to pray for our election. I started to pray that God would put the right people in offices all over the country. Why? That's the praying without ceasing. I walked by an education center. I prayed for one of my children that was doing a test. And I was, all those things, let those things be signals. He wasn't saying that you never, you never talk with people and you're always, you're always praying to God. He says this, he said, there's going to come moments that something will signal you pray right there. You'll see somebody, maybe someone on the subway, maybe somebody that, that, you're, that you're, when you get your car out of the lot after church and you go, hey, let's pray for them right now. God, just do something in their life. He was saying, always be ready. And every, whether it's at the traditional hour or the impromptu, God says every single time it can begin to connect things that never could be connected unless people begin to pray. That's why I love the words of the writer Thomas Keating. Jot this down, that the only only way to fail in prayer is to not show up. I believe if you show up, get ready for God to do something. All right, let's close with this. Not only that I believe the challenge is don't underestimate those 56th Street prayers. Number two, don't, don't allow yourself to find 
to find yourself in a directionless place. Let's be prayerful people. But the final thing we close with, prayer, I think, and I'm going to explain this, is a reboot every single day for me. It reboots me. How, what do you mean, Pastor Tim? Cindy asked me some years ago, she goes, I want to get a new perfume, but you need to go with me to see if you like it. So I thought, that's pretty good. So we went to Macy's. Well, of course. I mean, it's not like, ugh. So we go to Macy's and we walk in and you see all these ladies with doctor jackets on. So we get there and they all have sheets of paper and they all spray the paper, wave the paper, smell this, smell this. I didn't realize what I was saying yes to. And here's what was interesting. After the second sheet of paper, everything smelled the same. I was going, I was going, this is a racket. It all smells citrus. Everybody, it's every, every perfume is citrus. It all smells the same. And I said, none of it's different. And the lady goes, oh, wait a second. She brings me over to the counter and there are these coffee beans. And she goes, smell the beans. I said, what are you talking? I said, I've got a lady in a doctor's coat. You didn't even brew the coffee. And I'm sitting there with coffee beans. She made me smell the coffee beans. And this is what she said. She said, when you smell that, it resets the palate. And so you can smell the next scent like you just got here a few minutes ago. So she would sit there and she would spray it. Go smell this. I'd smell it. I'm going, wow. Then she'd go, smell the beans. And then she'd go and then she'd spray it again. Smell this. Smell the beans. Smell the beans. And all of a sudden, when everything started mixing together, now it became very specific. And folks, I'm telling you, this is what prayer does. When you can get yourself in the heavenlies, Prayer resets your soul so you can see things like God sees them. If not, everybody looks the same every day. Because you start when you don't pray, it's not, it's just the guy who gives you your coffee. It's just the guy who gives you the bagel. It's just the guy on the subway that you see there sitting there every day. But when you pray, you go, wait a second. I'm seeing this person differently. I'm seeing this individual like God begins to see them. Something begins to happen when you pray. There comes a reboot of the system. Everybody doesn't look the same. Now you're going, that's just not a thousand and immigrants on 51st. These are people that need a miracle and God to do something in their lives. This is what God has done for us. And God goes, I've given you this. Here's my question. Does Peter answer the door if he doesn't pray? If Peter doesn't, in a sense, smell the beans, does Peter even answer the door? Peter answers it for us. Listen to this as we close. Peter says, and he said to the men that visited him, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. He's talking about Cornelius. He says, and yet, I, I'm, I'm putting this in there, and yet I smell the beans. 
He said, I went to prayer. I didn't watch ESPN. I didn't watch CNN. I didn't watch. I got a whiff of heaven and God showed me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Here it comes. Verse 29. That is why I came without even raising an objection when I was sent for, because God spoke to me. God came and said something to me. But if I didn't pray, the answer was no. But because I did pray, God says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and do something powerful here. Only God can do that. Why has it become so difficult to pray? Let me close with this. As the band comes, we get ready. I, I love this. I have to just read this to you. An old writer from the 17th century says these words. He says, the man who prays will accomplish more in a year than another man would in an entire lifetime. Let me say that again. And I believe that goes for the man or for a church. A man, a church, a church that's watching from Spain, a church that's watching from Italy or from Nepal, a church right now that's watching from the UK or the Philippines. I'm telling you, leaders, pastors, you may be visiting with us today from South Korea, those that are watching, those that are present here, any man or woman, any church or ministry who prays will accomplish more in a year than anyone else would in a lifetime. Why? When I work, I work. But when I pray, what happens? God works. That's what happens. God works. This is why I pray. This is why I pray. This is what... Every moment I pray, every time I get up in the morning, he allows me to see what I can't see on my own. Just smell the beans, Tim, because I want you to see what, what people from my vantage point, that, in, that instead of just ignoring and instead of just walking through and just, and just slapping down a credit card, maybe see something that you haven't seen before. I was reading a, an article called the, the Almost Impossible Mission. It's the 8,000-mile nonstop flight, 8,000-mile nonstop flight to save one soldier. One soldier, 8,000 nonstop flight. Let me read it to you. Took place a few years ago. It was a massive effort to save the life of one American soldier wounded in Afghanistan, the Taliban, wounded one of our soldiers. He didn't just need immediate attention. He needed specialized attention. And this is what it took to save his life. Listen to this. Three military aircrafts, 18 medical personnel, 24,000 gallons of fuel, 26 gallons of blood were spent to save the life of one critically injured American soldier. Let me read to you the journey. The Air Force sprang into action to bring him home. A C-17 flight crew based in Dover Air Force Base flew to Germany, refueled, flew into Afghanistan. Then from Afghanistan and Kabul made an 8,000-mile nonstop journey home to Texas. People like Yuka, who has flown, goes, that's impossible. You can't make it. But this is what happened on the 8,000-mile journey home from Kabul. The, the mission was called Reach 797. The mission required, listen to this, Yuka, two nighttime mid-air refuelings, two refuelings in the air 
one over Europe, one over Maine, the first time it's ever been a, attempted. 19 hours after taking off from Afghanistan, the C-17 landed in San Antonio to transport one soldier to the Brook Army Medical Center, and his life was saved. He lived. He lived. That's unbelievable. To save one 8,000-mile nonstop flight to save one soldier's life. Why this story, Pastor Tim? I want you to think for a moment. Because the challenge to pray, this goes, oh, he wants us to come here at 6 p.m. On, on, on Tuesday nights to pray. And then we got to watch on Wednesday nights. And then he wants us to get up in the mornings to pray. We need to see this. I want you to smell the beans for just a second. We need to see not what it costs you to pray, but what it costs God to allow you to pray. To allow you to pray. We sit there going like an hour early for church on Tuesday nights. This sanctuary is full of people praying with cards as Pastor Patrick and our elders lead us in, in priest. But some of us are going like, that's an hour early. Do you understand what it costs God to have us pray? There was another journey made over 8,000 miles, much longer. Jesus made a nonstop journey 2,000 years ago, not only to save a planet, but because he died on the cross that we celebrated in communion, it cost Jesus his life so you can pray. Do you understand? That's what the Bible says. It says in Hebrews 10, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. And by his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain right into the most holy place, the presence of God. And hallelujah, since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go into the presence of God with sincere hearts and fully trusting him today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You understand? I can pray because Jesus died. I can pray because the cross of Jesus Christ. When I take that communion, I'm not just going, that's grape juice. I smelt the beans. That's not grape juice. That reminds me of the blood of Jesus. It says, now you can come to me with boldness. You can come to me and cry out to me. When I see a cup, I'm not going, it's communion Sunday. I'm going, I get to pray because of what the cross meant to me. And more than that, you can pray today, and not only Jesus making a journey here, but can I tell you a prayer that can change your life? You can pray a prayer that will get you to heaven one day. And God allowed that to happen. A prayer that can change you, that you can make the journey to heaven. And as we close today, a prayer that will get you to heaven, a prayer that starts a journey for everyone here. And here's how the journey is made. Jesus said this, no man, can see the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. That's what Jesus, born again is not our, our, our phrase. It's Jesus's words. There's some people here that I've asked the question to on these streets. I've said, how do you get to heaven? I'm a good person. I've been baptized. I've had communion. I've, I've gone to church. I'm religious. I haven't hurt anybody. Um, I'm a good person. I provide for my family. I go to a mosque. I go to a synagogue. I go to a cathedral. All those things are good, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you must be born again. That's what Jesus said. 
Pastor Tim, what does that mean? Jesus was saying, just as you had a first birth physically and have what we call a birthday, you need a second birth that's spiritually. Well, how does that happen? I tell people all the time, it's as simple as ABC. It's A, admitting that we're sinners. It's admitting that every one of us are broken on the inside. Every one of us were born broken with a condition called sin. You can't fix it with a promise. There's not a program. There's not a prescription. There's not a religion. There's nothing that can fix it except God himself. Only God can fix it. I, many of you sitting here, you've tried to fix it in all different ways. In fact, one, one person says like this, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a savior. We don't need a second chance. We need a second birth. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? That's the B word, believe. Believe that God loved us so much to come to fix our sinful condition. Why? Because we couldn't fix it ourselves. If we could fix this ourselves, then let's just be honest, folks. Putting God, God putting his son through the suffering he went through on the cross is the ultimate case of child abuse. Why would God send the son to die on a cross and say, do your best to get to heaven? That doesn't even make sense. If I could get myself to heaven by being good, then Jesus should never have had to come from me. But Jesus' death on the cross was Jesus being my sin bearer, dying the death that I was supposed to die, living the life that I couldn't even live and giving me a reward, heaven and forgiveness I don't even deserve. But that's how, like Natalie talked about earlier, that's how good God is, regardless of my inconsistencies. Here it comes. God is good and God can change anybody's life. How does that happen? A, admitting I'm a sinner. B, believing that God sent a son to fix my sinful condition. And finally, C, as we close, C, confessing Jesus as Lord. Oh my goodness, this is the big one. Romans 10, 9 and 10. To confess Jesus as Lord is so important. It's the difference between religion and a relationship. Religion says, I want you to sit in a church for a couple hours on a, on a Saturday or a Sunday. But a relationship says, I want to walk with you every single day. Do you think God sent his son Jesus to die on that cross to get you to sit in a chair? His goal wasn't to get you to church. His goal was to get you to heaven. His goal wasn't to meet with you for two hours on a weekend. His goal was to fellowship with you forever in heaven. That's what his goal was. And that's why Christianity is not coming to a place. It's coming to a person. It's coming to Jesus. When you say, I want you to be Lord, you're saying you're in charge, not just of Sundays, when that guy up there who spits on everybody speaks. But when I say that you're Lord, it means you can talk to me on Monday. You can talk to me on Tuesday. You can talk to me Wednesday and you have veto rights. If I want to do something, but your word says, don't do this, then your word always trumps my desires and everything else. You're the one that's in charge. When you say Lord, you are saying you're the boss. And today, he can change you from the inside out. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment, just for a moment, I just want to take a time just to do this today. As the singers come, as we get ready just to close, this is why we pray. This is why we prayed for this service today. If you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I, I want to make the most important decision of my life. I want to be born again. I want my life changed. I want what you're talking about. If you're watching online, this is for you. 
wherever you're at, if you're here today, maybe you're visiting with us, maybe you showed up for the marathon and all of a sudden says, there's a religious service on 51st and Broadway. Maybe you couldn't get tickets to Broadway and you showed up here because it looked like a theater. And let me just remind you, I don't know if you guys know this, but we are now the longest running show on Broadway. The longest running show on Broadway. Wicked shuts down in a few months and Wicked will be done, and that's 33 years. We've been going for 35 years. Because God, God will outlast everything. And that's why we're not offering you a religion, we're offering you a relationship, we're offering you to be born again. The most important decision you can ever make today is this, I want to be born again. I want God to change me from the inside out. And the balcony, main floor, if you're watching online, and if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I want to start that journey with God. I want God to change me from the inside out. I want to be born again. I'm just going to pray a prayer right now. And if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that prayer, I want to be part of it. I want to be in that prayer today. I want to start a journey with God today. And some of you are going like, oh, I want to, but I'm not perfect. Exactly. Perfect people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. That's the change. So if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that prayer, and we'll all pray it together, put me in there. I want to start that journey with God today. I'm here for a reason. This is where prayer changes everything. This is why we pray. And if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, without any hesitation, put me in that prayer. I'm going to start that journey with God. Wherever you're at, balcony, main floor, even online, if you're here today and say, put me in that prayer. I want to start a journey with God. Hold up your hand as high as you can right now. Hold it up as high as you can. Keep them up as high as you can. I want to make sure I see every hand that's up. Wave to me. Put those hands up and wave to me because I want to see them all. I want to see all those. Keep them up. Hold them up high because I want to see them. I want to see them. Balcony, hold them up high because I know that God wants to do something in all these. I want all of us to stand together. Come on, because I want us to pray this. Come on, can we all pray this together before we leave here today? Everybody together. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Okay, we like to say this part loud. Come on, say this with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's put our hands together and thank God for what He's done. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.